Hey, this is Derek D Train D2. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BrandedBills.com, one of the leaders in today's hat industry. If you want something unique, you'll find it there. We love the concept of their leather patches cut out of the finest leather with your logo branded right on the leather. Feeling patriotic? Check out their USA logos or shop by state, offering logos from all 50 states for your custom headwear. Lots of options to choose from, so check out their stock inventory or create your own lid. BrandedBills.com is a sponsor for our hats here at Blue Line Hockey Club, and we are excited to have some of the best hats around. Choose between fitted hats, snapbacks, flat bills, curved bills, trucker hats, you name it, with all kinds of color combos to help customize your branded bill. Get online and place your order today at BrandedBills.com. Podcast is brought to you by... Raleigh's number one screen printing company in the area, Josebi Screen Printing. Josebi Screen Printing does all of Raleigh's screen printing, embroidery, special ink, even vinyl heat print. Are you looking for t-shirts for your sporting event, company, or family function? Check out their work at JosebiScreenprinting.com. That's J-O-S-I-B-E ScreenPrinting.com. You can follow on Instagram, like them on Facebook and Twitter. That's Josebe Screen Printing. J-O-S-I-B-E ScreenPrinting.com. Hello, welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We got another exciting episode, episode 86 tonight. We have some of the usual suspects sitting in the house tonight. We have our IT guy, our local nerd on staff, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you mama now? And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweeto? Our producer tonight, Patrick Sullivan, is not in the house tonight. He had some things to deal with with his family, so we're going to be missing him tonight. Shout out to his father up in Rochester in the hospital. Hopefully he's doing well tonight. And uh, a shout out to uh, his family as well. And tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley is your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club. And tonight we have a very special guest sitting in with us tonight, a guy that's from the North Country where we're from, Potsdam, New York, and has made his way through the NHL, a thousand point, or a thousand game guy in the NHL, uh, four different teams in the NHL, and now is the assistant GM of the Calgary Flames, Craig Conroy. What's up? How you doing, guys? Thanks for having hey. me on. Hey, welcome to the show. How cold is it in Calgary tonight? Like, well, Celsius up there, so it's probably, what, like, 20-something? Yeah, minus 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 ten. <laughs> it's turning <laughs> cold here. <laughs> it's it's getting cold and getting cold fast. Oh yeah. Good thing you were raised in the North Country. You're you're born for it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me one bit. But it is. Uh, I will say, I was over just uh, over at the World Juniors and it was pretty warm in Ostrava. So <laughs> I'm like, man, now back to reality, back to the yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of these guys. What the. Marky is in uh, Port St. Lucie, Florida. Robbie Peters is down in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm stuck up here still in Canton, New York. So it's it's oh. uh, it's it's bone <laughs> it's it's uh, it's bone chilling up in in Canton right now too. It's about I think it's like ten degrees outside. So I feel your pain. Yeah, we're, we're together then. I'm yeah. I'm jealous of those up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Calgary's a nice town. I mean, I spent some time out there. I used to play against the Roughnecks out there in the Saddle Dome. Great arena, great fan base. Uh, but it was in the winter time. It was always pretty freaking cold out there, no matter when we went. Well, the scary thing, it snows all 12 months a year here. That's the problem. Like, even <laughs> August, snowing, June, snowing. We have the stampede. I'm like, is it hailing right now? Stampede is perfect. 
Yeah, we were just talking about the Stampede actually before you came on. I mean, that's like a, just like the hugest event in Calgary. I'm sure that you've attended that a few times. Yeah, it's a big party. I mean, it's a, it's about 10 days for the rodeo and, and everything, but they've actually, they kind of extend it now. They have pre-parties, they have pre-events. It's, uh, yeah, they try to get another, another two or three days kind of crammed in there, but it's, I can go about four or five days in a row and then uh, I'm, I can't keep up with everybody else. I'm getting too old for that. <laughs> do the Calgary Flames uh, take part in any of that or like do anything during the Stampede? You know what? I mean, they have, uh, you know, there's tons of charity stuff going on too. We have a charity poker tournament at Cowboys, uh, one of the big bars here. They have one of the huge tents. So, I mean, we definitely were, we have guys, I think Johnny's been in the, you know, he's been in the Stampede Parade quite a bit. So we have always have guys in the Stampede Parade and, and doing all kinds of stuff, going to, you know, going to watch all the events. And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I mean, the Chuck Wagon, the bull riding, all that stuff. Uh, it is, uh, it's just like a big, huge party here. The whole city shuts down for about 10 days and it's pancake breakfasts every morning, free pancake breakfasts all over the city. And it's just, and then people just start drinking. So it's a, uh, it's a little bit crazy, but it's a good time for sure. Pancake, yeah, Canadian pancakes make a good, yeah, good base there for the booze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of, soak it all in. <laughs> lots of Canadian maple syrup, I'm sure. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good time, I'll tell you. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about your um, your career. Uh, obviously, you were a Clarkson guy. We just, I think, you played with Steve um, Steve Dubinsky, didn't you? Yep, yep. Dubert. We actually lived together for a couple of years too. So uh, yeah, he, he was yeah, just on the show, actually. Little name drop. Uh, he named, name dropped you when he was on the show. I think a couple of weeks ago, and we're starting a little program with him to to uh, do some podcasts with his Super Series. So good, exciting stuff. Oh, awesome. We kind of connection with him oh. and uh, another Clarkson guy. So uh, that was a great era. We actually had Mark Morris on. I think he, he kind of reached out to you for us. And um, he was, you know, talking highly about the team that you guys had when you were there and, how, you know, how you, a great run that you had to the NCAAs. And, um, maybe just talk to us a little bit about your experience at Clarkson. Obviously, you were a hometown kid coming out of uh, Potsdam, the Northwood Prep, um, and then on to Clarkson. And at that program, today is, is, is doing very well and very healthy. Um, you know, how was your experience at Clarkson? You know, I mean, for me, I used to go with my grandfather and I used to go to every Clarkson game. I mean, so I was just a little kid going and, you know, in Walker arena and it was probably, it was probably as exciting for me to go to play at Clarkson as it would be to play in the NHL. I mean, at the time, in, as a little kid, you just think, hey, this is what you grew up watching. And, and that was your kind of your dream come true. So to be able to play the last year of Walker, and we never lost a game there, you know, and after being, you know, probably 15, 16 years of going to games with my grandfather, it was pretty special to be able to kind of go in there and do that. And then as, as it went over to Chio, all of a sudden, you know, you're in the new building and, you know, it's amazing what they've done now with underneath. I was just in there in September before I came back and I know a lot of the fans won't see it, but it's amazing how much work they've done. It's probably better than our locker room here at the Saddle Dome, so that's why we're getting a new rink. We need a new rink, but, uh, you know, it's state-of-the-art. It's going to propel them, you know, into the future being a top program, and right now they really are. But yeah, I, I mean, couldn't, so much fun to go there. That first St. Lawrence game, 
You know, I was thinking back to that. It's just all those things that you always want to do as a kid. I had two uncles play there and my dad played there. So, I mean, I just felt like I was destined to, to go to Clarkson and to be able to go in and Mark put together some great teams. I mean, we went to the final four my first year, you know, we won a couple ECAC championships, but, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, you're there to win a you're there to win the national championship, and we didn't do it. So hopefully, Casey and the crew can uh, you know find a way to to bring that national championship to uh, back to Clarkson because the girls are killing it up there. Yeah, the women found it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Rob, we were talking about um, that Craig and his father were the only two father sons duos to have 100 points at Clarkson, right? Yeah, just a, a quick nugget there. Uh, Craig and his father are the only pair in Clarkson history to have over 100 points. Uh, so, I mean, that's pretty amazing in itself, Craig. How, how, can you, you know, put that into words for us from your side, if you wouldn't mind? Well, you know, I think when you when you're kind of, you know, when I started at Clarkson, you didn't know how it was going to go, and then we had so much success the first year. You know, and I felt like I had a good year. I think I had 30 points. And after the first year, I kind of looked to see where my dad was. I'm like, oh, he's got 100. I, well, I got to make sure I get 100. <laughs> so, so when I passed, when I passed him, I think he was actually at the game when I passed him. So I'm like, okay, there it goes. <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, it was special. It was, you know, because you grew up in there and you grew up in Pottsham and everything. And for me. You know, in town, when the guys would go, I mean, I knew everybody in town. I knew all the students, and I knew all the, the locals. So it was uh, pretty special for me. And the way they treated me there, you know, second to none. I actually heard uh, that Potsdam beat Messina tonight, which is a big deal, too. I mean, those are always uh, <laughs> huge games. So I was pretty pumped when I heard that. I'm like, oh, the Red Raiders got taken down by the Sandstoners. I love it. <laughs> the beauty of the internet you can find out what's going on in the north country in calgary <laughs> well that's the, that's the beauty about internet but mike lasala he he called me he's like we took him we beat him he, he keeps me up to date on what's going on up there uh, wise for for the north country for sure especially Potsdam. <laughs> nice no doubt you, do you get up this way very often anymore or not or not really you know what? I have a place down in uh, by Watertown in Henderson Harbor, so I'm there every summer. So I get up. My mom still lives there. Aunts and uncles are there. So, you know, I try to get up. It's tough. And during the year, I probably get up. You know, I've been in a lot of Clarkson free agents. Uh, Sturm, we were watching a lot last year, uh, the year before. So uh, I try to get up there as much as I can. If I can get around Ottawa, uh, seeing the OHL games, and then shoot up and see uh, see my mom and kind of go to a couple of Clarkson games is always a, a huge bonus for me. So I do get up there as much as I can, and it's good because I can get a little work in why I'm, why I'm kind of seeing everybody too. There you go. I got a, I got a question about that actually. The NCAA, uh, you know, n now being a, a GM, uh, assistant GM out in Calgary, uh, how how much have things changed from when you were you know at Clarkson to today as far as the uh, recruiting process for GMs for NCAA guys? Uh, you know, is do you see it more often now? It seems like there's more NCAA guys going to the NHL than there was in the past. Is where more toward like the juniors and the O and stuff like that. Do you do you see the the college programs uh, generating more guys? Well, you do. You know, especially like for me, especially being up in Calgary. We you know we own the Hitman up here, so we have a WHL team, but. You know, you talk to kids, they're they're all excited. They always want to know, hey, what's it like at U.S. college? What's it like, like at U.S. college? And I tell them, like, for me, there was no better experience. I mean, you get a great education. 
you get to play, you know, in front of the fans. It's great. All the rinks, the travel, they treat you, you know, they treat you like a million bucks. So, you know, I said, if you have an opportunity to go to the U.S. and do that, if, if you want, I mean, you know, it's tough here because they, they grew up with junior hockey and everything's junior hockey, junior hockey. But, you know, I said, if you're a late developer, I would, I would consider the college group. You know, if you're a, hey, if you're going to be a first round pick, Jerome McGinley and I always talked about it. He said, you know, for me, there was no, I'm like, yeah, but you were, you were you. You're a top <laughs> pick. Yeah. I mean, you're one of the, you're one of the best players. So no problem. But I said, a guy that maybe needs to, uh, develop a little bit more, get stronger, hasn't really kind of come into his own, actually to be able to go to, university and play for four years is uh, and maybe hey maybe you play really well first two or three and then uh, if you're a free agent and that's what i'm really out there looking for right now are our free agent and draft eligible guys that are playing but really you know guys go there later now and they kind of sneak through the cracks and some guys just develop and that's that's what i'm looking for i mean we had garner hathaway um that i got from brown he came up here i signed an american league deal he did an unbelievable job in the American League. We put him on the NHL deal. He played in the NHL for, you know, three or four years for us, and he just signed a, a four-year deal in Washington. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I was a little sad to see him go, but, you know, that's, that's the business we're in. You know, you have to – everybody's kind of got to do what's best for themselves. But, you know, we're in there watching all those college guys, especially the free agents. And it's amazing how many other teams are on, guys. I mean, when we're going in the recruiting process, there might be – 10 or 15 teams on the same guy. So it's, it's a battle. Yeah. And it seems like back in, back in the day, you know, um, a lot of universities didn't want players until maybe they were 20 years old or even, tw- you know, 21 at some times. So now it seems like we're seeing kids that are leaving early and going to the NHL, like the best players in, in the NCAA leaving early at 20 years old and getting a shot. Uh, it just seems like things have changed the way the game is played and, uh, it's just unheard of, just you know, to see a twenty-year-old leave college back, you know, twenty years ago to play in the NHL. Yeah, it is. I mean, well, and and the thing is, I think the big reason is younger players are playing in the NHL now. It's really geared to a young man's game. You know, if you can skate, if you have skill, and you can, you know, it used to be when you could hook and hold. When I kind of broke into the league, it was you had to be a big, strong, heavy big guy i don't think johnny gaudreau would johnny gaudreau would have a hard time playing back then but the way they hooked and held and they kind of just the abuse you took but the way the rules are now smaller guys can play and if you're skilled young and fast you're you're gonna have a pretty good chance so you know guys are like and we put i'll be honest we put a lot of pressure with the salary cap to get those young guys in because if you're saying okay we're gonna pay someone to play defense for us for eight hundred thousand as compared to four and a half million I mean, that's a, it's a big difference. So, you know, you're trying to manage your cap and the way to kind of get around this sometimes is to bring in these young guys, uh, you know, on deals like that. So that's, there's so much more to it then with the salary cap now as compared to when you could just go and spend whatever you wanted and there's more teams. So, I mean, the talent pool isn't quite as, you know, I guess as full as it used to be, but I still think being in Europe, seeing all these players, there's plenty of very good players out there. So I don't ever worry about us running out of, uh, you know, good, good players for sure. Sure. Does it, so does it put like, you know, as a, as a GM assistant GM uh, position that you're in, does that put more, pr- you think there's more pressure now on the, on the front office um, to find those young guys than there used to be? Do you feel like there's a little bit more pressure? Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, you get your seven draft picks and especially for us, I think it was two years ago now, 
we had we didn't pick until the fourth round, so we went fourth, fifth. I don't think no, if we had fourth, no fifth, sixth, and seventh. So to wait to supplement not having those picks, you have to go and try to find some you know college free agents. Unfortunately, you know we didn't get anybody last year. We were on a couple guys, and uh, you know when the team does so well though, you you know we had 107 points, second in the NHL. People are like, we're not coming to you guys. <laughs> you guys have a good team. But I said, it always changes. <laughs> you know, that's the, you're, you're trying to sell, hey, there's opportunity here. They're not seeing it. So, uh, you know, it's, it's always a battle with, with that, too. I mean, because those young guys, they're smart. I mean, their agents do a good job, and they want to play in the NHL as quick as possible. I mean, that's their, their goal. And uh, they're looking at depth charts and who you're coming. You know, but I do think uh, – we haven't drafted a defenseman. We, we, you know, to get Rasmus done today, we've been, you know, I think we've been talking with Rasmus for probably t- towards the end of the summer. You know, that's one thing about these young guys. Uh, you know, it used to be the second contract really wasn't a, a big contract. Now it's a huge thing with us just signing Matthew Kachuk last year. You know, Rasmus is a good young player that we, we have a lot of faith in. You know, I don't think, I think when you look at the contract, probably, you know, it's a six year and it's at four, five, A, E, and you think, okay, you know, it seems maybe a little high if you look at his points and where he is, but really think, okay, we might be paying a little bit in the front end, but in two or three years, he's going to be a key guy for us. I mean, I think he's got more offensive upside that he's kind of producing right now, and it's a gamble like anything, but with a salary cap, you know, sometimes you have to pay a little bit more, and then, uh, you know, hopefully in two or three years, everybody's saying, wow, that's a great deal, you know, kind of like the way they're, we're talking about Johnny Gaudreau's contract. It's, uh, you know, you feel like you give them a little bit more on the front end, and then uh, they they kind of make up for it on the back end. So is that deal? Is it that deal deal took from uh, the summer? Started that deal? Uh, working on that in the summer? You know what I mean? We started talking about that deal in the summer, and it kind of got going probably the last, uh, I bet you, the last two or three weeks. You know, I think talking to Rasmus, uh, you know, when I was on the bench coaching, he wanted to get something done. He was getting a little anxious. And uh, so I went back to Chris Snow, who kind of does our contracts here, and said, hey, I think, you know, if you want to get this done, which we probably should, we want to lock this guy up. We really like him. We think he's a great prospect. Um, you know, and Chris said, okay. And then him and the agent, I think Claude Lemieux is his agent. And they really started going uh, probably two or three weeks ago. And then yesterday it kind of came we we kind of said, hey, this is our best offer. You know, let us know what you think. And we played in Chicago last night. And then he uh, he he called us today and said, okay, you know, I've, I thought about it, talked to my dad because uh, it was the father's trip, and his dad coaches uh, yeah. in Malmo, and he came over. So his, I mean, I think they talked about it yesterday, and he felt comfortable that hey, he and he said, I just want to be a Calgary Flame. And, you know, I think the six years is going to be perfect, and. You know, it was done. So, yeah, I think uh, it was pretty exciting, you know, because it's always exciting when you get those young guys locked in. Um, a little nerve-wracking to get it done because it takes so much longer than you think it should. You're like, God, we could knock this thing out in a day, but it takes <laughs> scary. <laughs> and, and he got a pretty good chunk of change, too, so it's not like he was, you know, <laughs> turning it. Well, that's what I – you know, if someone said that my second contract, I remember fighting over uh, – you know, I think I had 43 points. I was up for the Selkie, and I was battling for 600,000. You're just battling for it. <laughs> so, you know, I said if I did that now, I might be four or five million too. Would be, I'd be like pretty happy with myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. not too bad. 
He's not going hungry. <laughs> no, he's going to be fine. You know what? And he's a good he's a good player and a great person. So it's it's nice when you have a great combination. And now we got him locked in, and you don't have to worry about it. You know, you don't know go to arbitration. You know, it's the fighting. You know, back and forth. Arbitration's awful too. I mean, it, you're really. It's it's something I if I was a player I don't know if I could handle it going through it you know after watching it on this side it's pretty vicious going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean these agents we talked to Don Waddell before and we asked him you know how, how do you like dealing with the agents and uh, you know he kind of he kind of went off a little bit on it but um, yeah it was it, it's kind of tough to deal with sometimes when they're asking for way more than you think that they deserve but. And then other other times he says, you know, you know, the other agents are right on. So, you know, the, the players have these agents that, that come out and, you know, try to get the best offer for them. And, and you guys have to deal with, uh, with with the agent, you know, not so much a player, which is probably good for the players, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a lot of pressure for the, you know, the players if you really get into those battles. But, I mean, it, with the, the way it works now, I mean, you're really looking at all the comps. You kind of have an idea. The only problem is when the agent says, well, he's got intangibles that no one else in the league has. You're like, really? <laughs> what, what would that be? What, like, how do you how do you want it? Because if if they kind of see all the other guys around and the comparables all say he's a two million dollar player, and he comes and says, I think he's a well, why is he a four million dollar player? It doesn't nothing adds up. And he's like, well, his intangibles. I'm like, oh, his intangibles are worth two more million. <laughs> That's what you're dealing with. Yeah, how many goals you know, are the tangibles going to score? <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're like, oh, everybody would want this player. I'm like, oh, boy. You know, they're doing their job, though. And, and my agent did that same thing for me. So, you know, I understand where they're coming from. But some are, some are very uh, logical, and then others are just not logical. So you're hoping you're dealing with uh, the ones that are kind of just, just logical. You say, okay, yeah. you're right. Let's, let's get this done. <laughs> Put this to bed. So I just want to touch on a little bit um, about your, your NHL career. Obviously, um, we talked about it a little bit before that you played in uh, a thousand games. I think the, the second oldest player to ever play a thousand games at 39, I believe it was. Um, you went to Montreal uh, and then kind of, kind of really got your start when you got to St. Louis, right? Yeah, you know, Montreal was, they just won the cup uh, just before 93. So, I mean, you're going in there and they got a pretty good team. So, you know, for me personally, that was my team growing up. I mean, I was a huge Montreal Canadiens fan. So uh, to go and sit in the old forum and, and to be able to play hockey night in Canada in the Montreal Canadian Jersey and score my first goal with them, it was pretty special. You know, I was there when Patrick Waugh got traded and, you know, you see so many different things and you're part of something. And then uh, in, in all that time, I only played 13 games there. So I really didn't kind of break in until uh, I got traded to St. Louis. And that's kind of where I remember Joel, it was Mike Keenan was there at first. And when Joel Quinville came in, he kind of said, hey, Craig, I know you put up a lot of points, but I need a, kind of a third line checker if you'd be willing to do it. I'm like, you got yourself... I'm going to do whatever it takes to stay in the NHL. I'm good to go. So, you know, that was, uh, for me, it was just a great opportunity to get traded. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brett Hall let me wear his gloves his first game. Like he has, he has four or five pairs of gloves and he said, Hey kid, you want, want to use my gloves? So I'm like, I'm using Brett Hall's gloves. Yes, I want to use them. And I did have to score that night in Colorado. So I was off. I didn't give him the gloves back, I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, you mentioned Patrick Waugh. Did I hear a story that you uh, 
dinged one off his uh, head and got a little fight with him right when he got yeah, to Montreal. Yeah, literally, literally, I mean, my first, we get to the, we get to the first day, we're going to have a red and white practice, the scrimmage. So I'm on Patrick's team. We get dressed. We go out there. We're skating around. We get in the three-line shooting. And I get in the back of the line. I'm being respectful. And, you know, the, all the guys shoot. It comes to my turn. And the guy on the right side, he kind of bobbles the puck and, and finally shot it maybe at the top of the circle. And I was at the blue line but moved in a little bit. And I, I think just the excitement and, you know, this is a dream come true. I mean, I'm thinking, you got to yeah. be kidding me. I'm in the Montreal. Fo-. And I let one go. And you know when it comes off your stick and it's coming hot? I'm like, oh, okay. and it hit him square in the head. He, uh, cleaned off the crease, put his arms up in the air, cleaned off the crease. Then he heaved the stick over the glass. And I thought, sorry, oh, I'm shit. trying to say sorry. Oh, shit. And as I'm saying sorry, here he comes. He comes flying out there, and literally he blockers me right in the forehead. And I'm like, what is going on? So naturally, what do you do? I'm just trying to protect myself. I grab him, but when I grab him, both teams attack me. You know, it's Patrick Waugh. You know, they don't know what to, and I'm just like, I, I remember going after it kind of broke up. I'm sitting on the bench. All I wanted to do was well, get in my car, drive, <laughs> drive back to Potsdam. I'm like, I'm done with this. But uh, the media was all over me. I mean, I was in every, every paper, English, French. I was just, I was like, God, I'm glad I can't read the French papers because I guess they ripped me apart. <laughs> welcome to Montreal, kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just couldn't wait to get sent to the minors. <laughs> oh man, I just kind of love these. You know, love those stories. I mean, I, you don't hear, you don't really hear about it too much, but um, I did come across that. I think that's funny. Rob, didn't you have another story you wanted to ask Greg about? And, and then, uh, yeah, I, I saw, I saw the video of you out in Red Deer when you were traded from LA <laughs> to to Calgary. You want to just tell our listeners about that story? I, you know, I, it kind of pissed me off, but uh, <laughs> in some ways it was like, you know, damn, they just cut you and leave you and, you know, it, no one told you it's nothing bizarre. about it. It was bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we played the night before in Edmonton, and we had an outdoor practice in Red Deer uh, set up. You know, I think Pittsburgh just did it here in Calgary. They did an outdoor thing. I mean, it's it's fun. You know, you go and the fans come. But so we, we took the bus in from Edmonton. We got to the outdoor rink in Red Deer, had a great practice. Uh, and obviously, because I'm, I played in Calgary, as I was leaving, there was a lot of fans. There was a lot of Calgary fans there, so I was signing autographs. I was almost – I think I might have been the last one to get ready to – and then, uh, you know, as I'm walking in, our PR guy said, hey, Connie, you got to go and see uh, – coach you know mark crawford needs to see you dean's on the phone he needs to talk to you i'm like what dean so dean lombardi was a gm and i'm thinking that's not good <laughs> you know whenever the gm needs to talk to you so i said oh okay you know uh, i'm coming right in i'm signing I'm, I'm walking in i get into the little locker room and, and dean's on the phone and he goes hey i traded you there and i'm like you traded me to red deer what, where am i getting traded <laughs> So for a split second, I wasn't sure if it was Edmonton or, or Calgary. And then he said, I traded you back to Calgary. And I was like, oh, okay. And it wasn't going that well for me, uh, to be honest. And, uh, you know, I think Mark Crawford kind of, he wasn't a big fan of mine. And, you know, so I 
you know, and then all of a sudden Dave Taylor brought me in. It wasn't Dean Lombardi. He was going to try to get young and rebuild that thing, which did an unbelievable job and they won cups. So, you know, it worked out perfectly, but yeah. So as I get dressed, I'm kind of talking to a couple of the boys. I'm really rushing because I was the last guy. And as I walk out with my bag, the bus is pulled away. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> what the heck? So instead of, you know, I guess, in my mind, I probably should have known I'm not on the team anymore. I'm not going to run. But I'm thinking, they just left me here? Like, just in the <laughs> middle of... Who the hell is going to get I remember me? Some, yeah, some of the fans came up and they were like, hey, you just missed the bus. I'm like, no, actually, I got traded. They're like, what? Where'd you get You're traded? Right. I'm like, back to Calgary. So, <laughs> you know, they sat around and I ended up calling Sean O'Brien, our... our uh, he's kind of... Just, See, lucky I know who does all the travel there. So I talked to Sean O'Brien, and he said, hey, Connie, we have a car coming for you, but it's going to be probably another 45 minutes before it gets there. So I text Mike Camilleri and said, hey, can you take my bag? Because I couldn't even grab my clothes bag off the bus. So I said, can you just leave it at the uh, concierge, and I'll come and grab it when I get into Calgary. He's like, I can't believe they treated you like that. I said, well, <laughs> I said, it should be fun. I can't wait to play you guys tomorrow. But I ended up going to dinner with those guys anyways the night before. And then they let me score a couple goals the next day, which felt pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I think that. I letting you, but you, you did have a couple of nice goals. I, I thought it was fun to <laughs> shove it in your face like that. <laughs> oh yeah, I gave uh, you know I gave Mark Crawford a couple looks, especially after I scored the second one. I'm like, hey, how do you like that, buddy? <laughs> how do you like me now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was it was definitely a story that I'm like, because I've seen so many guys get traded. I just haven't ever seen a guy get traded when you know you're with the team and you're kind of in the middle of a nowhere. You know, I mean, it, it's always tough to get traded, and even for us to go, some guys are going to get traded. But to just be kind of out there, it's—I've never seen anything quite like it. So I, I can always say I got a couple good stories from the NHL for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. no kidding. There's got to be—you got to have like some asterisks. First player, you know, ever <laughs> traded, left by a bus while skating on an outdoor rink. Yeah. That was the thing. At least you get traded at an NHL rink. You know, you're still here in an <laughs> NHL rink. You know, you. Not an out. I had a little. There was a little warm room that I went back into and sat and waited in there. So it wasn't awful, but it reminded me of uh, you know playing out kind of up in in West Stockholm. I could sit there and just hang out. <laughs> yeah, cooler, cooler beer outside. <laughs> yeah, if someone brought me a couple of beers, I would have been all set. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Did you ever think you would play a thousand games? Was it a thousand nine or thousand six games, something like that? Did you ever think you'd play that many games in NHL? You know what? I really, I really didn't. Only because, you know, I went to four years at Clarkson, and then I played probably 150 games in the minors. So it's not like I jumped right into the NHL. Uh, so, you know, luckily for me, I was fairly healthy, and then uh, I was able to play a long time. I mean, like you said, all, right to 39 years old. So. I mean, when it starts to get close, though, and that last year I got healthy scratch the first game, and I remember thinking there, oh, man, I don't have many games to go, but uh, I, I'd love to get to the 1,000 just at this point in my career. So, you know, to get the 1,009 was, was amazing. The fans in Calgary were, you know, it was really, you know, I feel special to be able to do it here. And, you know, we had the playoff run in 04, and that was probably the highlight of my career. So, you know, we were one game shy of uh, winning the Stanley Cup, which was pretty disappointing. But, 
you know, other than that, uh, it, it, I couldn't ask for a better career. Yeah, I was I was hoping to play one game in the NHL when I got to, to Montreal. So to play a th- over a thousand was a dream come true for sure. So do you think that, um, you know, being a player that, you know, played so many games, played for a number of teams and, you know, having ups and downs in your career, has that helped you evaluate some of the players on your own team as far as, you know, guys do go into slumps and they come out of them and they, and they you know, they might be in a slump for a few weeks or a month, um, you know, to recognize that, that maybe it is just a slump and they need to get their confidence back. Uh, as a player, you've seen that through your playing career as far as, you know, being firsthand in, in that, uh, you know, you have to make decisions now on, you know, who to trade and who, who to pick up and, you know, stuff like that. Is that, is that something that you can relate to these guys on? Oh, big time. I mean, I think that's probably one, one of the things that I, you know, because I said I was, you know, I wasn't the best player. I was in the minors. I, you know, I was put on waivers at the end of my career. I kind of went through all the ups and downs. I had stretches where I didn't score. I had, you know, good times and bad times, but I do think, uh, you know, to be able to sit and talk to guys and they just can relate with me, you know, I can relate with them. They, you know, we, we kind of, shoot the shit back and forth and you know I can get out of them what's going on usually and say hey listen you're going to make mistakes you're going to have bad games you're going to but I said the work ethic the way you take care of yourself and what you do in practice every day that's what's going to get you out of it I mean you could feel sorry for yourself we all you know I said I, I felt sorry for myself at times everybody hey we got but if we do everything we possibly can you know we got to work together here to get through so I think I can relate to them we have a good understanding I mean I when we, you know, I've talked to Johnny a few times. He had a little bit. He puts a lot of pressure. Johnny, that's one thing people probably don't know about Johnny. He wants to win as bad as anybody, and he puts so much pressure on himself to have to get points and do everything and help the team win. And and when we weren't going well, especially early in the year, and he wasn't getting points, you know, everyone's like, "Oh, what's wrong with Johnny?" He puts so much pressure on himself. I'm like, for me, I just would like, hey, you're one of twenty guys, Johnny. Like, you're not. Yeah, you're you're our best player, but you just still, you don't play the whole game. You don't, you can't do it all by yourself. So you got to take a little pressure off yourself and, and just play. You know, he, he wants to do so well and he wants to be one of the top scorers in the league. But, uh, you know, I think so I can kind of relate to that. I never was as good as Johnny, but definitely, uh, you know, I can relate to what he's going through and, and the media, you know, when you're in a Canadian market and when you're the top player, you know, I remember when Jerome and I were here, Jerome would always start slow. You know, he'd always start slow and people say, oh, this is a year. And then he just end up scoring 30 goals, you know, every year. So they wanted to be hard on him. You know, they even they loved Jerome more than anybody up there, but they still were always hard on him. And that's what I told Johnny. So, you know, I can relate to all the guys. And I do think that's one thing that, uh, you know, has helped me in this job because I know what it's like to get sent down. It's a terrible feeling, you know. You feel like you're this close, you know, you're just right on the – verge of your NHL dream and you get sent down well you can either go two ways you can just feel bad for yourself or say you know what guys I'm going to go down there I'm going to be the best player in the American League and you're going to have to call me back up and that's hard to do and guys you know I tell them that all the time but even when I go down to see guys I remember Seth Dirty I said what's going on Seth he goes I can't do it I should be in the NHL this is I'm like, you're going to have to play well here to get back <laughs> in the NHL, you know, but they don't, you know, I think, I think it's maybe the way it kind of, you know, the kids are nowadays. They like everything right now, right now, you know, they don't want to wait for it. They just, you know, not that they feel entitled, but that's kind of the society. 
instant gratification. So, you know, I do think, uh, you know, I can, I can relate to those guys and, and understand what they're going through, but it's still a different time with the social media, you know, it's tough. There's so many people involved now. Yeah. They have, you know, they have mental coaches, they have strength coaches, they have all these people kind of around them with their agent with, it's not like when I, I had an agent and myself and that was it. But these guys nowadays, they just have skills coaches and life coaches and this coach. (laughs) It's almost overwhelming to some point, you know, to have that many people around, but you know, it's the way in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Craig, Craig, listen. Talk, there's one guy on the on the Flames that I, I I really admire the way he plays the game, and it's that's Matthew Kachuk. Do you mind uh, talk to talk a little bit about his style of play and what he brings to the Flames, man? He's he's just a fun play. I mean, I know players around the league. There's some players that have some bad things to say about him. Get under he gets under <laughs> some people's gets under they some like people's it. skin. Yeah, I mean, I I love the way he plays. You're you know, he just kind of reminds me of back in the day player a little bit but it seems like all the Kachuk boys kind of have that little nasty side to him but talk a little bit about Matthew Kachuk yeah Matthew's old school I mean I remember going into London his draft year I remember running into his dad and he says what are you thinking Craig I said well I said Matthew's pretty much exactly what we need I mean he's pissing me off every time I watch him out there in London like he falls on the goalie he cheap shots this guy he's right on the edge of getting in trouble all the time but you need those type of players and that's how you're going to win and he always came through big goals memorial cup winning goal i mean when you needed something it seemed like he always did it i mean he had a great line with dvorak and marner they were unbelievable but he always seemed like he did something to kind of make the difference and uh, and just here in calgary you know him and drew dowdy have this big war going on and it's it's he's just <laughs> always in the middle if there's anything going on he's in the middle of it and you love that because all he wants to do is win. He loves to win and he wants to, you know, he wants to be the best player. He wants to do something. I mean, he scored an unbelievable goal against Nashville this year, maybe one of the goals of the year, uh, oh, yeah. but he oh, just yeah. finds a way when we need a big play at the end of the game, you know, whether it's, you know, drawing a penalty, doing something, he definitely uh, gets under the other team's skin, which I love, but uh, he's also, highly highly talented i mean his skill level the stuff he does with the puck especially around the net i mean people say he's not a great skater but when he wants to skate he can skate i mean i'm always like hey i saw you skating out there i know you can back check now too oh i don't know about that you know he just, <laughs> you know, he's he's definitely uh, an old school player you know he would he would fit in uh, 10 15 20 years ago for sure the way he plays with that hard nose grit and just nothing bothers him, you know, bring the physical play. He loves it. The more physical it is, the better for him really gets him more involved in the game. Yeah. I remember watching the the wild series last year when there was a, the Dumba hit. And then the next, was, I think it was the next night. I think uh, Kachuk ended up fighting him. Um, you know, I don't really know if it was his fight, but he was the guy that went out and, you know, settled the score. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what he is. I mean, he's all about the team. And the one thing is the guys love him. I mean, the guys in our team love him. But I, even his draft year, I remember, you know, I don't remember a guy when we would go to our suite afterwards that had so many other of his buddies come down to to, to see him. It was amazing. So, I mean, just he's one of those people people gravitate to, you know, to. And they just uh, you want to be around him because he's fun. He's having a good time. But when it's, uh, you know, when the game's in the line or it's time to play, you know, he's all business and, and he's there to win. You know, it was 
it's pretty fun where I was on the bench in the, uh, so my, my first game as assistant coach down on the bench, when, uh, we went through the Bill Peters stuff, I'm on the bench, we're in Buffalo. I'm like, we go down two nothing. And I remember saying like, that goal's not going to beat us boys. Let's go. We can get that back. And I'm like, Chucker, isn't this about your time? You know? And then he ends up, <laughs> of course, a minute and a half later, and he goes, problem <laughs> you know he's, just, he's got that kind of attitude and then we win the game in overtime so he's a big part of that play too so he's just uh you know he, he's a guy that makes plays and uh you know he's just a good teammate and a good person and you know i love when his dad comes in here because we reminisce about all the things over a couple beers so you know <laughs> that makes it an extra bonus for me too <laughs> yeah yeah so you guys are listen you guys are like you know the top five in the pacific you know are really kind of pretty tightly uh, wound up there. So, you know, here you're approaching the second half of the season. Where do you, where do you see the, uh, you know, where you need, where you guys need to improve here to kind of make a run here at the playoffs? You know, we'd love to, you know, like every team, you'd love a top six right wing forward. Uh, you know, we feel our guys have done well, but they're really not playing in their natural positions. Uh, we have Man Japani, he's playing, you know, right and left on the second line or first line, which everyone can. And Backlund went from wing or to, from center to wing. So, you know, we would love a right shot, you know, scoring winger, but probably everybody in the league would be saying the same thing. So, I mean, we're looking to improve in that area, but also, you know, like you said, I, we're three points out of first place in our division, but we're also one point out of the, being out of the playoffs. So, sure. you know, I think the next, you know, 10 or 15 games are really going to kind of set us up and see where we are and, you know, we feel like, hey, we're we're a playoff team. I mean, if we didn't make the playoffs, it'd be extremely disappointing out here after the year we had last year. But uh, you know, it, it's just it's amazing how how tight the league is, and we know it's going to come right down to the wires. So if we can we can add something, I mean, I think even Brad Living, our GM, said the other day we we want to add something, but we're not going to rent the player. We if we want to make a deal, we want to make a deal for a piece that's going to be here, and not just a guy to come in for you know, the, the last 30 some games and then be gone. So, you know, those, when you're trying to do those deals, it's, it's a little tougher and it's a little more uh, complex, but we still have a, a little bit ways to go until February, the trade deadline. So, you know, my Brad's always on the phone working it. He comes with ideas every day where, you know, we try to come up with some, it's, it's tough though, because everyone's right up, butt up against the cap. So you can kind of make a deal, but then the money doesn't work out. And that's the frustrating part. You know, you're like, man, we, that really hurts. <laughs> but, you know, that's why, you know, that's why when we traded for a leak the other day uh, to Buffalo, it really freed up uh, cap space for us. So we have about $5 million now going into the, to the deadline. So that's, that does give us the wiggle room. And it's amazing since Brad did that, how many phone calls he's getting. So I think there are some opportunities for us to, to make some moves here down the stretch. How's uh? How's go ahead, Rob. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, we talk all the time about how it takes two goaltenders. Uh, how, how are you feeling about Talbot and Riddich? The combination of the two, you know, coming into the back after the stretch. You know, very happy with. You know, Riddich was has been unbelievable the first half. I think the last four or five games he struggled a little bit. Maybe played real well against Edmonton. So maybe the last three games that he played, he struggled a little bit. But Talbot in his last seven games has like a 938 save percentage and is really coming along. We just don't give him any run support. Like, you know, we, we barely, even last night we scored, you know, it's two one, but 
we haven't given him many uh, many goals to help him out. So I do uh, I do feel like Talbot's come into his own these last seven games, and he and he's starting to play well. And Riddich was unbelievable early. So maybe we run with you know run with Talbot a little bit and let you know kind of Riddich get re-energized and, and and ready to go down the stretch here. But we feel good. We can go. You know, that's one thing. I feel comfortable with both guys in the net each night, and they both, uh, when they're on their game, they've been excellent for us. Yeah, so uh, one of the last pieces of the puzzle I probably should ask you about is how the, uh, how's the team feeling with Ward at the helm? You know what? Uh, Wardo's been great. I mean, he really came in through a difficult, uh, you know, stretch, and he, he made it fun. I mean, he tried to, hey, we got to change it up. I remember the first practice I was on the ice, I thought it was going to be somber and, you know, we had lost the night before in Pittsburgh, but he really came in and said, Hey, we got to do it. We played some fun games. We did some things. There was a lot of life in practice. I was like, I feel pretty good about the team right now, you know, walking <laughs> off the ice. <laughs> Cause I was out scouting before that. And I just, I just have to arrive in Pittsburgh the day before. Uh, and then, you know, all the stuff kind of broke loose. So you know, I was like, what a whirlwind that was for about uh, 72 hours. It was I've never seen anything quite like it. And then to be able to see how the guys handled it. I mean, I definitely think, you know, you talk to the guys, they felt bad for Bill and, and they were, but when it came time to play and get ready, they, you know, they were true professionals. And then I thought Wardo did a great job and, you know, little things like playing music in the, in the practice, trying to loosen it up. I'm like, Oh, I kind of like the music out here. You know, like <laughs> you would have never done that with Daryl Sutter, but it's a a new it's a new age i guess you can do things but the music was kind of fun and you know he's playing games and he's keeping it light but he's also trying to teach and and make sure hey we we have to do things right and we have to start playing more consistently on a 60 minute base like we have great first period bad second you know we just can't afford to have long stretches like that where we play bad and that's what he's trying to get out of the game right now it's attention to details we changed how we tracked back a little bit too and i think that's helped it takes a little bit of the uh, guessing game out of it for the defenseman they kind of know okay if the if the forward doesn't have him by just over the red line he's going to release he's mine and the, the forward's going to come back inside the dot so little things like that he's done a good job with and uh, you know the guys really like them and uh, you know they're working hard for him too so that's always nice when you kind of have that that feel in the locker room that the guys really want the, the coach to do well nice hey guys anybody have another question for uh, Craig before we let him go here no I was just um I wanted to you know absolutely thank him though for coming on man hopefully if uh you know if you get you know come, coming close to the playoffs or something like that make a playoff run we'd love to have you come back on the show and and chat about it a little bit but um it's always nice to talk to a north country boy man and it's great to see, oh. su- see success you know of guys coming from this area it seems like for such a small area up here we produce a lot of good hockey boys so um it's you know we're proud to see what you're doing it's awesome to see your success and that we, we hope for a lot more of it. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to listening to you guys too. That's exciting. I'd love to come back on though. And I hope we are, I hope we are making the playoffs because uh, <laughs> this is a tough business. Everybody gets fired up here, but definitely, yeah. <laughs> you know, playoffs would make things a little bit more easy on my wife and myself for sure. Oh yeah, man. We'll be hoping for <laughs> yeah. you. Yep, Thanks guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, right. <laughs> thanks a lot. You guys take care. Take care. Right. Good luck. Yep. Hey, yo, 
What's up, Speedos? This is Derek D-Train D2 with the Blue Line Hockey Club, your NHL hockey podcast. Listen, I want to take a minute to introduce everyone to the North Carolina Warriors Ice Hockey Program, the NCWIHP. They're headquartered out of Raleigh, North Carolina. The NCWIHP was organized to operate exclusively for the charitable and educational purposes for those wounded in defense of the United States in conjunction with the USA Hockey's Disabled Hockey Program. The program's mission is to organize and administer an ice hockey program that provides a recreational, educational, and therapeutic experience for disabled veterans. Travis Harris is the president, and Andrew Hill is the vice president of the organization. Both of these guys bring strong leadership skills to their roles with both the hockey and business side of things. Hey, did I mention they're both veterans? As a member, you can expect a competitive environment that will help players adjust to post-trauma lifestyle through organized ice hockey. Weekly on-ice practice and game opportunities are available where they promote a healthy social environment. No matter your disability level, this is the organization for you. There are plenty of roles both on and off the ice that need to be filled. Past deductible donations are accepted. To learn more about the North Carolina Warriors Ice Hockey Program, you can visit their website, NorthCarolinaWarriors.com. That's NorthCarolinaWarriors.com. Don't hesitate to reach out to Travis or Andrew, both great guys. They would welcome your support in any way, shape, or form. Until next time, folks. Craig Conroy visiting with the Blue Liners tonight, a legend in the North Country and uh, pretty much a legend in the hockey world at this point. Another person that we've talked to that's come out of the North Country that's pretty much made it to the top, and we've talked about it before. Um, you know, what is the top? Is the next level for him being a GM of a team? I'm pretty sure that'll probably happen for him down the road. So uh, put going from and we didn't even touch on it. he played in the Olympics. We didn't even talk about his uh, stint in the Olympics. We should have asked him about that a little bit, but. He played on the, the world team, and he also played in the Olympics for Team USA. So, you know, we didn't quite get into that, but a 1,000 games in the NHL, uh, you know, just a stellar career, stellar NCAA career as well, all-around great hockey player, and uh, pleasure to have him on the show. Give us a little inside scoop of what's going on with the Calgary Flames. Obviously, the Calgary Flames have been a hot team the last couple of years, and uh, they took a little dip in the last month or so. Uh, but like Derek said, they're right in it, and uh, I think it's like 50, 51 points right now, and Edmonton also has 51 points, and I think the top team, two teams are only at 54 or something like that. So they're right in the mix in that, in that Pacific division, which is a pretty good division this year. Uh, but they, I think they have the team to do it, like with some of the players that we talked about. Um, you know, they did have a coaching change uh, not so long ago. That's a tough, tough swing for them. Uh, unexpected, obviously, it wasn't a – a change that the GMs made or, you know, the owners came down on, on the coach. Uh, it was just, uh, I'm not really sure what the reasons were, um, but, uh, you know, Peters moving out and Wardo coming in, uh, big changes for them. And obviously that big signing uh, today or yesterday. Is, yeah, Rasmus uh, Anderson, 27.3 million, six-year uh, six, six year <clears throat> I mean, can you, can you imagine getting that call, right, and your agent's like, all right, well, we got you a deal, you know, it's six years. 27 million what do you think <laughs> what do you think <laughs> fucking sign me up bitch like <laughs> that's 27 million dollars you know yeah. already locked that in like yeah. conroy said he's begging for 600,000 back in the day you know and that wasn't that long ago really you know i mean if you think about it he's 48 years old he's not like one of the old timers so the game has changed salary cap has obviously gone up quite a bit uh these young players are making some serious bucks um, everything's changed. You know, we talked about it, how they have all these things uh, to help these guys. And 
um, you know, yeah. back in the day, they didn't. It's a young man's game too now too. So I mean, you got to you got to make your money. You got to get the money when you can get it, man. And and just like in any other pro sport, you know, you're one play away from a serious injury too. So I mean, if they're gonna, I mean, the way I look at it, like if they're gonna dangle you some cash, I I grab it while you can. So yeah, we've talked to enough people at this point to you know be able to affirmatively say that they are clearly investing in the future of these kids. You know, like he said, you know, this Rasmus Anderson. They're hoping that he swings in a couple of years and really hits his potential. So they're putting money up front for, you know, the potential, you know, hopefully comes in, you know, and and comes through. Uh, Yeah. These kids really got it nowadays. They've got all the, all the leverages. Uh, What what was his name? Doug McLean said, these kids now have the leverage. Yeah. 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 From a a front office standpoint too, you want to, you know, it's it's good for the for the for the organization to get the guys, you know, to sign that extension while they're young. You know, if you can make a gamble on them and it pays off, it makes you look real good in the front office too. So, uh, it's it'll end up being if he if he succeeds and and you know plays out that contract the way he the way they expect him to, it's a win win for both of them. So, you know, yeah. knowing knowing where Craig Conroy you know grew up and the the people in the area of St. Lawrence County and Potsdam, you know him bringing his lunch pail to a thousand NHL games, you know, I, I guarantee the translation to the back office, you know, th- there's no question that he relates to those kids. There's no question that they look up to him. You know, th- there's no question that he's part of why, you know, they had such a great year last year. You know, the chemistry is right. What I want to see out of Calgary is we've got to see Kachuk, Gaudreau, Lindholm, Monahan. We need to see Manjapani. We need to see these guys catch fire here in the next uh, or yeah. 30 games or whatever. Yeah, it's all about that confidence, too, you know, and it just seems like once those teams click, and we've talked about it for the last couple months about uh, watching the Wild and how terrible they were this year, and uh, now they're one of the teams that, you know, one of the hotter teams in, in, in that division for sure, if not in the NHL. So it just seems like once one or two guys seem to click with some confidence and score some goals in one couple games in a row the whole team ended up getting that confidence level you know so yeah like just one guy scored you know and he he was the only one that got confidence right so it was like almost like a team confidence builder winning two three games in a row on the road um you know getting an assist or getting a goal Uh, it just seems like that is such a big deal um to these teams to go on these runs and have the momentum going into the second half of the year so you know, we're going to see that in the next 40 games, what teams are going to find that momentum and, and start clicking. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's crazy how, you know, look at the lightning, right? So it's just, they haven't found it yet this year. Uh, but, you know, it's a... Uh, the push starts right now. Every, every team in the NHL has to really ratchet things up and, and tighten their games up and, you know, over the next 30 games, we're, we're going to see some horse, you know, some of the horses are going to slow down and they're going to drop from first to second, maybe to third. Some of the thirds are going to climb to second first. I I think Calgary, I've, I've always had a special place for, for Calgary uh, out of the Pacific anyways. Um, but th- let's not count them out. You know, I, I think you could see them climb back into first place well, what as, a po- as he mentioned though too like i mean the next 10 to 15 games are, are huge you know 
even you know there might be what I'm not sure what 40 some games left in the season is that is that what it boils yeah. out to? They played they played 45 games. So. But you know, like you said, man, that next you know the teams that kind of get some separation over the next 10, 15 over this little short period, you know, that's going to separate who's who's playoff bound and who's not. You know, if you if they if teams start sliding over the next 10, 15, those are going to be the ones the team bouncing out, and the ones that start uh, putting some wins together over the next 10, 15 are going to be who you see. Uh, going for Lord Stanley for sure. It almost seems like the teams that have the momentum right now probably don't want this all-star break. You know what I mean? They're going to have to sit back and wait for the next game. And, you know, things are clicking, things are going well. And okay, now let's uh, take a few days off and let this all-star thing plan out. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just a uh, all-star thing. How, how come Ovechkin decided not to go? You know, they say he snubbed it. I mean, well, he's done it two years in a row, isn't it? That he's done that or? Or am I wrong on that? I think it is two I, years in a row that he snubbed and he, he came out early before he even was, like, picked as a captain or whatever it was um, and said that I'm not going, right? So, basically, he said, you know, it's not something I want to participate in. I want to, you know, let my body heal and rest and, you know, take some time before the second half of the season. You know, he's, he's – how old is he? He's 35, 36. You know, that's kind of how he said it uh, as far as, you know, he wanted to take the time off to, to get ready for the second half of the season. Uh, you know, and the other half, how many all-star games has the guy played in? Is he sick of going to the goddamn thing, right? You know, it <laughs> might be to the point where, you know, it's not a big deal where if you had an, a younger player their first time going to the all-star game, it's a big deal, right? They, they want to go where he's probably at the point in his career, where, you know, I don't really feel like going out and doing these fucking skills competitions and all this bullshit. I just want to relax for three or four days or whatever it is, get ready for the second half of the season. I can see where he's coming from, uh, but I know the NHL is coming down where they're going to find him for it and all this other shit. But I mean, I, that's kind of what I heard. I don't know if you guys saw anything different, but I, I don't, I didn't see anything different, but I, I think, I think what it is from him, his perspective and what he said in the past is at this point in his career, it's all about taking care of his body. So instead of going out there and, you know, playing, a, playing in an exhibition game that really means nothing, uh, I think at the point of his career, he's saying, you know, I'm going to go back home, relax, be with my family. He's, I know he has a young child too. So, um, you know, he's I probably also, just, he's just looking also, at like a heel up thing. Yeah. Yeah. I also read that he's 221 goals or points away from Gretzky. I think it's goals actually uh, away from breaking uh, Gretzky's goal record. So, you know, he might, you know, it might be a combination of everything. He's already experienced it. It's not the same. Maybe he's focused on, you know, healing his body for the push for, uh, you know, run to the Stanley Cup. Maybe he's also thinking about, you know, getting close to that record as as quickly as he can. Um, he, he, uh, if he can stay healthy and play, I don't think there's a question he's going to break that record. Yeah, he's a, he's a is, You know, how over how many years will it be? Two. Three, he's a durable guy. He's a pretty durable guy. I don't know. He averages what? Um, he's what is he a 50 goal score yeah about 50 goals right so, I mean, about 50 so that's roughly four years yeah five yep so i don't know he, he can last i mean he's a durable guy but he plays a you know he's he's on the he's on the you know the opposite end of his career for sure as far as you know just the just the numbers go it's, his age numbers, but you know, yeah, he's a durable he guy, a but he, game too. he plays yeah. a physical game. Yeah. He plays, he's not just your average goal scorer. He's out there fucking wrecking people too. So uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The problem that I see happening with this is the NHL wants their biggest stars at that game. Cause it's obviously the all-star game. 
um, and the fans are voting for him to be the captain and, um, you know, be there. So now what, what does the NHL do to players that don't go, right? So if I have all the all-stars say, well, I don't feel like fucking going, having all the third liners go, they're not going to fill the seats, it's not going to sell the tickets, not going to get the broadcast, you know. So it's the, the NHL, I see them putting something in place that makes or forces these guys to go. I can't see him not. Yeah, I mean, a $20,000 fine is, is nothing to him, right? Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. You know, okay. but I mean, it's like, you know, who, who's going to watch the game on TV if, you know, the top guys don't go? You know, that's kind of where the NHL is probably going to look at it and who knows what, what rules will change and all this other shit. But, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, well, it's also why they're, why they're bringing the girls in to, you know, participate in the skills challenge. It, it brings in more. More fan base, yeah. More audience. Yeah. I don't know. They might have to do something like play an outdoor game for the all-star game or something too. You know, that seems to attract a bigger crowd too. So who knows? I don't know. There's probably a lot they can think of to, to incentivize him. But you know, he's like, I think he's kind of a unique situation too. I think most of the guys are chomping at the bit to play in the all-star game still. A lot of these young guys, you know what I mean? So it's, he's just, he's, he's long in the tooth. So, you know, he's, he's used to this. He's been there, done that. Maybe he's thinking in his head, give some of the young guys an opportunity. I've been here, you know, so I'm going to, I'm going to focus on myself, yeah. fix my body and let, let some of these young guys in there and have fun with it. So. Yeah. Um, and it's more, more travel, right? These guys are traveling all the time. If you look at it, they're playing every other night or every other night. And, um, you know, now we got to travel and I got to travel again to go to the all-star game and be out there and travel back. And then when I get back, I got to travel to this game. I mean, so that traveling does take a toll on these guys and they're away from their families and everything else. Like Rob said, so. You know, that's part of it. You know, it's just if you have three or four days where you can relax and, and heal up and spend some time if he's got a little kid, you know, and obviously that's part, probably part of it, as you yeah. all know. Yep. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. So we did have some coaching changes in uh, in Nashville. Uh, and released his duties with the Predators, and uh, they have hired the former New Jersey coach. Um, John Hines. John Hines, who was let go by Jersey this year. So I don't know, man, like we talked about earlier this week, it's like, what the fuck are they hiring this guy from Jersey for? Obviously he didn't do shit in Jersey and he had a pretty decent team to, to work with. Um, and what is the coaching field of uh, qualified coaches? You know, who's applying for these fucking jobs, right? That we're recycling everybody that comes through. What are you guys thoughts on that? I mean, listen, I don't know. For for me, he, he did not manage, um, you know, if we're going to talk about New Jersey and Hines, he didn't manage New Jersey very well. Uh, it's so bad that, you know, one of their best, you know, all-stars left and went to Arizona. So something is not right in New Jersey. Why are you picking up this guy that left a disaster? Uh, it's beyond me. I, I just don't get it. They're just recycling. Um coaches i don't understand yeah. it either Frank. it doesn't make a lot of sense to me either the hire doesn't make a lot of sense as far as you know you taking the new jersey devils you know ex-coach there who the devils are sitting at the bottom of their division um you know nashville you know for what it's worth is massively underperforming with the roster that they have you know what i mean it, it, it they're pretty big disappointment probably one of the bigger disappointments you know they're sitting second to the bottom of their division i believe um, and it's so, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't, you know, you're taking one coach that you're saying isn't successful uh, up to your standard of what you felt success was. And you're going to go bring in another guy who wasn't successful or was before. So 
I don't just kind of makes you kind of take your hat off and you just kind of scratch your head and say, who the fuck's that? But it, I don't understand. I really, I don't that get it at all. It doesn't work in our business structures. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. That one yeah, doesn't so make any sense. You got an interim coach out in Calgary with Ward. You got an interim coach down in Dallas. I think you got an interim coach still in New Jersey. I'm not positive, positive but it's, they name him the head coach or is he still the interim coach? I'm not positive there, but. I don't know the answer to that. I think he's still up here though. Yeah, so, you know, it seems like there's still some vacancies out there, uh, like almost like a lack of, of coaching talent um, in, this, in this hiring pool. But uh, there's got, I mean, there's guys at Babcock. Is he going to coach again? Obviously, he got the worst rap going after he got fired. You know, Peter Laviette, uh, obviously a good coach. He was a good coach at, with the Predators the last few years. They had great teams, great playoff runs, uh, obviously a proven winner. Uh, would he do well in Dallas? Would he do well in Calgary or New Jersey, right? So a guy like that is, you know, in my mind, is somebody like Quenville. I see him getting picked up by by somebody. Um, I don't think he went out in any shape or form as a terrible coach being fired, right? So, no, they were 19-15, uh, you know, so they were still above 500 when they canned him. And I don't even think that uh, Detroit got rid of Bashley yet, did they? I think he's still no. there. Yeah, right? he still survived. And they haven't won a freaking handful of games, right? I mean, they got, they're just getting peppered every night in and out. Uh, I don't know what Iserman's doing there. He hasn't really made the moves that I thought he would have made. Um, there's a lot of talk that he's waiting for the end of the season, some of these contracts to be up so he can get rid of some of these guys that just – way too much on their salary cap and not performing um you know so that maybe we're going to see a lot of changes after the season for the detroit red wings obviously they're the worst, worst team in the in the nhl which is surprising to have a original six team performing so shitty right now yeah and it's gonna <laughs> suck for howard right now because the goalie takes all the shit when your team sucks yeah yeah he's it, and he's uh you know, he's battling back and forth every night with, uh, what's his name there, Boehner? Jonathan Bernier. Bernier, yeah. So um, those guys are both getting peppered. I mean, I've watched them both play. I've watched them both get scored on multiple times in a period. Um, you know, you pull the goalie, put Howard in, you know, pull uh, Bernier, put, you know, put Howard in, whatever. But at the end of the day, you got to give the guys some help because they're seeing so much rubber, right? And yeah. for a guy, guy like Howard, he's 30 – yeah, 35, 36 years old. Uh, last year, he's got one-year contracts. He's been working on one-year contracts the last few years. Uh, I think he's like a $5 million guy right now. And to play for a team that's so bad, um, it makes your goalie stats look like shit, right? So he's going to come into this offseason as a free agent with a you know, save percentage that's terrible trying to pick up another year somewhere. So uh, you know, it's unfortunate for him. Uh, I, I just really don't know what the hell's going on in Detroit. I don't. There's, they haven't got rid of their coach. You know, it's weird. The, the way the way I have always, I guess, viewed a, a team is, you know, no matter how good that goalie is, if you're sucking out front, that guy's never going to have the chance to get, catch fire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it sucks for those goalies. I mean. You know, just to see because their stats of this year are going to be terrible. You know, right, compared, right. compared to you know even Tuka Rask on a, a great team like the Bruins or uh, Carey Price. You know, like they might be t 
top goalies, but their stats aren't going to look like their top goalies when they go to sign free agencies at the end of the season. So, I, I mean, Jimmy Howard is a guy that's trying to hang on for another one-year contract, right? So yeah. I don't know what will happen with him at the end of the year. Yeah, it kind of sucks for the, uh, you know, for goaltenders in the position that you guys are talking about. But, um, you know, you got some good guys, some good GM and front offices out there. Like, you know, you're talking Craig Conroy here tonight. I mean, they're going to find, you know, they're going to understand the situation that those goaltenders were in, you know, and understand that, you know, the, what was playing in front of them wasn't the best product. And they're going to end up getting a good deal, you know, because they're probably, you know, they're going to be end up buying low, you know, when these guys, you know, their numbers aren't great. So, they're going to, I'm sure they're going to get an opportunity and what might end up happening is they might get an opportunity like on a, on a pretty damn good team, actually, you know, it maybe needs a good backup, you know what I mean? Or something like that. So um, see what happens. You know, I think a lot of the front office guys, you know, they make their money finding, you know, kind of reading through the tea leaves here and seeing that, you know, this, this guy was in a shitty situation last year. We know he's still got talent. So uh, there's more to the equation there for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's not the, uh, it's not the guys Craig Conroy's experience that I'm I'm worried about. It's the you know the guys that you don't really know how much actual lace and ice time they've actually ever had. Right. Um, you know that don't really understand that, but no that's out of our out of our hands. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. And uh, big news down in Carolina. Um, Justin Williams coming back. And uh, we actually had Don Waddell on a few weeks ago, uh, about a month ago, and we asked him that question. And, uh, we, you know, we, the question was, we heard a rumor he was coming back. And, you know, he joked about how he was the one that started the rumor. Uh, but, it, hey, we'll see what happens. I mean, he was, a, he was a definite force last year in their playoff run. Uh, I like the guy. I mean, the only question I have is something that Don touched on is he, how game ready will he be when he comes back? Uh, you know, has he been working out? I'm sure. Uh, does working out equal playing in games? I don't think so. I don't think anything gets you in game shape other than playing in, in games because you never play as hard as you do as those 40-second shifts. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he comes back, what kind of shape he's in, how long it takes him to get his feel back and uh, start producing down there. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, you know, from, from down here in Raleigh, um, there's a lot of expectations for him making this decision to come back. Um, you know, the team has had success without him. Um, but, you know, I tend, at least my gut instinct is that, um, you know, Don Waddell told us he's been skating, he's been doing the right things. Um, you're not going to come off the couch and get on the ice. So, um, you know, he's been skating. I, I think he's been skating a lot more than we all know, but you're right, Mark. Um, he missed the first 45 games. So we're going to see. I, I tend to think that a guy with his skill and his experience sitting and watching hockey for the first 45 games has got to light a fire under your ass. You know, he's 38 years old going, damn. You know, I, I cannot sit and watch these next 40 games. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I hope he does well. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of expectations uh, for him to jump in. And, you know. Yeah. You wonder if he regrets I think it. Well, I, I think the timing's interesting for when they're picking him up, too. Like, you're, here you are at the halfway point, right? Um, basically the halfway point, and you're picking him up. He's a, he's a firecracker for the lineup, though. I mean, he, 
he 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 produces in important situations. You know, he's he's known for that. So I think it's interesting. You got Carolina sitting in the number one wild card spot right now. They call so I think him Mr. It's, game seven down here. Absolutely. You know, so you know, he's he's a gamer, man. He's he, in important situations. He's the he's somebody that shows up. So um, I think it's an interesting time to pick him up. I think it's the exact right time. You know, they're in they're in position holding that uh, number one wild card spot in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, it, it's I, I think the timing's neat. Timing is really good. Let, like you guys are saying, you know, he's gonna have to you know get his legs around get his legs under him to be ready for this NHL grind here. But it's the perfect time to get him. You know, get, he's gonna. Get him in the second half, give him a little, you know, 10, 15 games, get him in practice, get his legs under him, and then he's going to be there for the stretch run where they, you know, and right where they sit right now, it looks like they're going to make that stretch run. So um, uh, yeah, I, think, I think the timing's great. I just tend to think there's more muscle memory there. You know, it's, it's still only a, a 40, you know, half a, half a season. He's been playing for, you know, I, I don't know how many, over a decade, right? So yeah, probably 15 years. Um, the, yeah, the other part of the time, you mentioned the timing, and you start to think about it. Well, yeah, it is perfect timing because there's probably only one or two games for Calgary before the All-Star break, right? So that gives him one game and then three or four days to practice with the team or whatever they're going to do or, you know, maybe skate on his own, whatever he does, a couple, uh, you know, a couple extra days to get himself back in the organization, get, get his shit together, opposed to coming in after the All-Star break getting right into it so he will have a you know a few days there that give him a little extra prep time you know maybe that's what he was thinking maybe that's the organization's thinking this is a good time to come in start that second half of the season uh but what would you think about it if you're that guy on carolina you've been playing all year and you're like fuck now i'm going to be a healthy scratch <laughs> you know because <laughs> there's somebody's going to get bumped off that roster right so um yeah that somebody's th- tonight thinking about jesus is it me or is it going to be my line mate Somebody yeah. on the fourth fourth line is going to be the healthy scratch, right? Somebody, and then somebody that's already a healthy scratch is going to be getting sent down to the AHL. So, city for that. On a good note, you know, for those are good problems to have from from Don Waddellsi. You know, he's thinking, well, if well, at least I think he's thinking. You know, put Justin Williams in there, and you know, all those guys that were up in the air. You know, now I got to create some competition. Now I got to work my ass off. Now I got to get in the lineup. How am I going to get on Justin Williams' line? Um, yeah. you know, so maybe, some, maybe it's some good competition. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's good competition. Yeah, competition is always good. What else we got going on, boys? Uh, we talked about the Pacific a little bit. Very tight. I think it's the tightest division going right now. The Central is probably the second. Actually, the Metro I think is uh, is a lot tighter than you think. You look at the anybody got it pulled up there. Um, the Metro Division is pretty close too. Yeah, Washington's kind of running away with the top spot there, but you yeah. know, from then after that, you know, from two to from two to six, you know, you get you're separated by seven points. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's a pretty tight pretty tight division right there. So um, I'm a little bit bummed to see Rangers is pretty much you know kind of what most people expected. You know, they've fallen off. They're sitting there at the bottom, hovering right. Around, Hovering around the devil, so um, but the that looks like have minus thirty nine differential. <laughs> oh, is that the worst? Is that the worst in the league? That's Hell no. No, Detroit. Look at Detroit. Detroit. Holy, it's minus yeah. seventy two, Pete. Oh my 
God. Oh, they are the worst. Holy. And we just talked about that. How would you like to be those two goalies, Bernier and Howard, on a team with a fucking negative right, 72? I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. Holy no, at this point, gravity has to be crushing. That's like <laughs> – so, I mean, it's almost double the, the next worst in the league with the Devils. It's not quite, but almost. That's you know, the, the best. The best in the league, I think, is probably Boston at 33. They, they're right above uh, Washington and Pitt at 30. So, I mean, fuck, everybody should be fired in Detroit. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, like, why isn't that coach fired yet? I mean, Holy the cow. Devils, Devils have, like, you know, 20 coaches already this season. You know, well, Lovely Alette was 19 and 15, so he was above 500. Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't see why Bashel is still sitting on behind the bench in Detroit. I mean, do something. I don't even really talk about making trades and everything I see, though, is, like, moving guys up and down from the A. And it's not like they're bringing in, like, oh, we're going to bring in some stud-free agent. Uh, we're gonna, you know, get rid of the coach. I mean, usually it's not the coach's fault when you're that bad, but that's like the first thing they'll do, right? They'll just try to change the coach, get some, you know, different people on that behind the bench, change some things up. But you know, they they've got a lot of issues other than just coaching. But I don't I don't know what Eisman's doing. Like I told you before, I know they've got some guys that they're trying to wait out a contract on for next year to free up money, but uh, it's just it's terrible. What's going on up there? Yeah. So waiting and seeing here. So uh, Arizona with that Hall pickup still doing very well. They're tied for first with Vegas in that Pacific Division. But like we said, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver are only three three points behind um, Vegas and Arizona. So that division is up in the air for the second half of the season. Who knows who's going to be? You know, two three games can change from fifth sixth or fifth place to first place in two, three games. So I mean, that division is completely up in the air. And then Central has got some great teams. You know, St. Louis is obviously um, – I, I, I'm surprised that they're as good as they are this year, you know, going from worst to first last year. I didn't think they'd be able to keep that run going. But obviously they're proving us wrong there. There's 61 points uh, way out of first place there in the Central. Um, Colorado, I mean, they had some injuries, but they're still – Playing pretty well, um, and then Winnipeg, Dallas, and Mini. So, uh, pretty pretty tight division as well. Only team, only division we didn't talk about is the Atlantic. Anybody want to touch on that? Look at the. I mean, we've been shitting on the, the Lightning, but look at that. They snuck back up there to second place in the, in the Atlantic. Quietly, quietly coming back, which is appropriate. I think yeah, I mentioned earlier earlier in the year that I I felt like it was better for Tampa. You know, T- Tampa obviously, you know, was the massive disappointment of the playoffs last year. Going in there, you know, winning the they had the Presidents Cup or whatever the fuck they call it uh, for the best record in the league. And uh, you know, this I almost feel like it's better for them to kind of play that you know little bit of the you know not an under you can't consider them an underdog, but to kind of come from a position of not riding the top all the way in. So I, I think that's going to serve them well there. And like you say, they're kind of catching fire here. So that's, that's a, that's a hell the Atlantic is a pretty good little, uh, little division there. So uh, Boston's obviously the cream of the crop out there and Florida, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Quenville down there. He's got those guys playing well. Um, Petey's Buffalo Sabres. They're kind of, you know, fading off. fading off a little. 
they're falling off a bit. And uh, you got, you know, the Maple Leafs uh, hanging, hanging tight right there with Tampa. So um, that's going to come down to the wire too. You, you know, some of the, it's starting to, as you look across all the divisions, you're starting to see the, you know, kind of the cream rise to the top here. And uh, so some of the teams that were kind of expected to fall off are falling off now. So, um, the second half, second half is going to be pretty fun to watch here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the predictions that we made at the beginning of the year are coming true, and some of the other ones, obviously, I was completely wrong on. I always thought San Jose would come back up, but they're still uh, the bottom of that Pacific with 42 points uh, with Anaheim and the Kings. So um, I think I guess that's some bad news. I think San Jose got some bad news uh, with their captain out there too, but. Um, Somebody want to look that up. I thought I heard something about, you know, things weren't going well out there. And I, but I heard, heard something happen to their captain out in, in San Jose, which is going to compound the problem here. So, um, you might have, uh, Morley, your, your, uh, prediction for them might really end up going down the wayside here. Sure. Yeah, long term, uh, fractured ankle. So, that's not uh, good. Yeah, I mean, some of these injuries that are coming in the middle of the season for these guys that are going to struggle to come back. I mean, yeah, uh, another one that we have is a uh, Zucker out in, in Minnesota. Uh, he broke his leg on a, on a block shot, and, uh, you know, he's supposed to be back six weeks, right? Six weeks, which seems pretty quick for a broken leg. I don't know, it must be a certain part of your leg heals quicker than others. But, uh, you know, that's a huge a loss for them than San Jose with Couture. Uh, you know, any of these teams, I don't know what Crosby's deal is. I don't know when he's supposed to come back. Um, but, you know, this injuries at this this point in the year are going to definitely factor on what happens in the playoff push. So this is kind of the time of year once these guys start playing that many games where we start seeing some of these injuries. So the teams that have the more depth are going to be able to fight through them. Uh, the teams that have those extra guys that they're pulling up from their farm teams or, you know, their healthy scratches are pretty good players. Uh, they'll have a lot better opportunities to keep their runs going. Not too many goalies injured this year from what I've seen. I know Howard was out for a while, but he's back. But not too many, like, big-time injuries that I've seen for goalies, which is kind of odd. So the Rangers actually have a lot. There's a lot of talk about the Rangers goalies, Derek. Have you been seeing that? The, the guy that they brought up? Um, yeah, they just brought team. up the uh, – yep, yep. Um, can't recall his name off the top of my head. Shester I think it's uh, – yeah, yeah, I've seen uh, it all over. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I haven't followed that that closely lately with the with the goaltending situation in the range, but I have seen a lot of chatter with that about, uh, you know, there's kind of uh, multiple guys there in the mix now. So I don't know if – I don't know what's the, what the deal is going on with Lundqvist, really, but uh, it seems like you've seen a lot more Georgiev playing, and now they've, they've called up this young guy too. So um, not sure what the deal is out there. Yeah, you you know, might see somebody like, you know, I don't know if they'll deal, you know, or not, Lundqvist, but, uh, you know, if I was somebody like the Rangers and I was building, rebuilding, you know, it might be time to get rid of our, our longtime goalie. And, you know, if we especially if we have a two and a three that are pretty good, that can fit into that one, two, uh, you might be able to pick up a pretty good player for Lundqvist at this point uh, before he gets too long in the tooth and nobody really wants him. You know what I mean? How long do you wait before he's not worth anything? I guess at this point, uh, you know, he's getting towards the end of his career. Does somebody want to pick him up for a playoff push? 
uh, towards the trade deadline? Would the Rangers be able to pick up a, you know, a stud player for him? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, but that's just like, you know, Conroy as a GM, these are things that they're trying to, to figure out. And it's like a, it's like a poker game, you know, trying not to show your hand and, you know, how much money do we have to pick them up if we do? And who do we have to get rid of if we pick them up? And they almost have to trade even up, right? If Lundqvist is going to be a $10 million contract, which I don't think it is, maybe it's what, six, seven, who knows? I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, then they've got to be bringing in somebody from a different team that's losing the same amount because a lot of teams don't have too much cap space. But, you know, I, I just see the Rangers need to make some moves there with Lundqvist at this point, in my opinion. Uh, you know, they call him the king. He's awesome. He's a great goalie. Uh, but how long do you keep him for, especially if you got a couple of guys that could step in right away? Yeah, I feel like there was something there in the past that either, and like I say, I could be wrong here, but I feel like he had like a no trade clause in his contract or something, and he had opposed trades in the past or something. So um, there may be a little bit more, something more to that too that we can look into and talk a little bit more on maybe on another podcast because um, I think there is something more to that story with Lundquist and, and his availability as far as trades go. But um, they do, I think, you know, Lundquist is a legend, man. He's an outstanding goaltender. Um, but I just think it's time, you know, the rest of the roster in New York has gone young. So, I mean, it, it's only a matter of time that the goaltender is going to have to go the same way, too. And you're seeing G- Georgiev in this uh, uh, Igor, I think, Shettenkirk or something is his name, you know, getting get called back up. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're definitely going or making the attempt to go young. And that's going to be the future of the Rangers is, uh, you know, as Quinter puts a stamp on this team going forward. So, yeah. So it's uh it's gonna be interesting. We obviously, got the All Star break. I don't think we need to talk about the All Star game. It's more of the, the bullshit that we really don't really care to get into. I don't think. Uh, Did we'll you guys touch see it. why why is Dubnik not gonna make it to Calgary? Is he hurt or anything? Um, I did not see it. I know that he has some issues going on with his wife or something. Um, that's why he was out before. Uh, as far as um, she has health issues, I don't even know. Uh, but. Yes. It says she has medical procedures, so he's coming back with you. Okay. Yeah, and he, he had to take time off for that earlier this year. Yeah. He's only, he's only been back like five games. He just had a 600, 500 game. Uh, they just, it was weird. They just had him, you know, they just uh, did a big ceremony before the game for his 500 game, and then they started Staylock. Fuck, how is it his 500 game that he has to play? I guess if you're just sitting on the bench, it counts. So. Thought they would have played in that game, though, right? Think, yeah. It did like a 20-minute fucking presentation before the game. But uh, Stalock stood on his head. I don't know if you saw that game, and they ended up losing that one. The shootout was like a seven, seven-shot shootout. Uh, seven or eight players had to go. So it was a good game. Stalock played very well. I think Stalock can separate into Duke's role. I don't think they lose lose anything uh, by playing him. Um, Calgary, so, uh, and that's obviously a temporary thing. It's nothing to do with his health. He's staying home, making sure his wife's all right, and I'm sure he'll be back shortly. Yep. But uh, just great interview tonight, guys. That was uh, an awesome interview with, with Conroy. Um, you know, it's such great insight of what's going on out there. Uh, a couple great stories about, you know, Patrick Law trying to fight him in <laughs> warm-ups. You know, what, what, couple of those behind the scenes things that we never really hear about. So that's kind of 
kind of interesting to hear that stuff. And obviously a local guy, great to have him on the show. Um, you know, hopefully we'll get him back on again to talk about the Flames. All right, boys. Great podcast. And until next time, keep your stick on the ice. See ya. Oh, doctor. Keep your head up. Meow. Oh,